Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchak, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. This podcast is sponsored by the Small Biz Thoughts technology community. Check us out at smallbizthoughts.org. Forms, templates, and checklists are just the start. Our community includes all of the best-selling books on managed services in all available formats, plus free training, members-only programs, and the best business training available to managed service providers anywhere. Plus, we have weekly live members-only Zoom calls. The average member saves more than 200% of their membership cost each year. We are totally dedicated to your success. Just because you're in business for yourself doesn't mean you have to go it alone. Join us today at smallbizthoughts.org. Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. I'm joined today by Jonathan Selig, who is the Executive Chairman and Chief Evangelist of Ridge. He co-founded Ridge with the goal of building highly distributed cloud infrastructure, thereby enabling users to deploy cloud-native applications in any infrastructure and in any location. He previously co-founded Akamai, world's largest and first and largest CDN. Jonathan has worked on distributed, low latency, high performance infrastructure for over 25 years. Welcome, sir. Thank you very much, Carl. It's a pleasure to be here and thank you for uh, inviting me. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but I have Akamai on every single website. We're just migrating like 130 websites and it's <laughs> it's on every <laughs> one of them. <laughs> uh, yes, you are pronouncing it right. And I'm very happy to hear that the company I founded many years ago is uh, omnipresent in whatever project you're working on right now. Exactly. So tell me, so Ridge, and by the way, the the domain name is ridge.co. Correct. In case folks want to follow along with us, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got here. Uh, So I am uh, Jonathan Selig. I am based in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where I've been for, oh, almost 25 years at this point, uh, by way of a a whole bunch of different places uh, along the way to, to getting here. I have worked in uh, infrastructure technologies for for really my whole career, starting in the voice uh, telephony world with uh, compression equipment and things like that. But in 1997, co-founded Akamai uh, when I was a graduate student at MIT. And at Akamai, we built the world's first content delivery network. It didn't really have a name at that point. It wasn't an an industry. Uh, We just went and talked to content providers about the fact that they would get levels of scalability, performance, and reliability out of a highly distributed infrastructure that they couldn't possibly get out of a centralized infrastructure. At the time when we spoke to content providers, if they became more popular, uh, you know, all of a sudden the way that they dealt with that was by buying more equipment from Sun Microsystems or, uh, you know, uh, Dell or HP, um, buying more switches and routers and Uh, getting more space in commercial data centers. Uh, And we came along with a solution that offered them a way to get content distributed literally all over the world in in initially dozens, but eventually thousands of locations. And um, it was sort of clear when you just looked at it on a map that a user in Tokyo accessing a server in Tokyo was going to get better performance than that same user trying to get their content from, you know, the basement of one CNN center in Atlanta. 
which is where CNN's website was hosted back, back in the day. And so that idea of distributed infrastructure, it was really uh, at the core of the content delivery industry and at the core of what we built at, at Akamai, which uh, became you know, a, a very, very successful and, and is still a very successful uh, business. And um, you know, fast forward a couple of decades from there to when my co-founders and I uh, started Ridge, and we became very interested in that very same question at the application layer. Cloud computing technologies are fantastic. We all understand the speed to market, the efficiency, the pay as you grow sort of model that cloud, uh, public cloud infrastructure uh, offers to its customers who are the application owners and the developers. Um, and at the same time, if you sort of come from where I come from, which is having seen web hosting and, and, and found an opportunity to build something very distributed in the form of a CDN, if you look at cloud computing today, it, it really looks a lot like that. Application owners have things sitting in a single uh, uh, you know, region, in a single zone. Uh, and the idea of highly distributed infrastructure for applications might not be important for every single application out there, but it is important for a lot of them. A lot of applications these days are, are uh, dealing with what we call at Ridge uh, coverage gaps. The ability to get your application performant, low latency, high throughput in specific geographies where you know that your customers uh, you know, care about that being able to comply with regulations for specific industries and specific geographies, um, being able to get the modern web services that you want from vendors and service providers, managed service providers that you work with today and, and love and have lots and lots of you know, uh, uh, history with and, and a whole bunch of stuff sitting on, in their facilities, having those vendors be able to provide you uh, modern web services. All of those gaps uh, in the market today are why we built Ridge and what we think um, presents the opportunity for a really significant uh, uh, shift in the cloud computing infrastructure market. And, and we hope to be at the forefront of it. Well, I know when I set up, it doesn't matter who the vendor is, but I set up something with Amazon or Microsoft or anybody else, I have to pick a data center. <laughs> That's right. Very frequently, my choices are Atlanta or Fremont, California, which is great. Yeah. Or uh, lots of bandwidth, but I kind of feel like I want Kansas City, Missouri. It's in the middle of the country right? Uh, right. because if I pick Atlanta, then there's greater latency to, to Seattle. And if I pick Fremont, there's greater latency to New York. So that's right. Uh, so how, how does this work for small business? Because most, you know, most MSPs, they're working with smaller uh, businesses. Well, so yeah, uh, MSPs have a pretty diverse customer, you know, base. They work from small businesses up through, through, through large enterprises. Um, you know, the, the, what you just described uh, in this configuring of an application, configuring of your service with, uh, of your customer's service with a, uh, a service provider at one of the large public clouds. And this idea of picking a specific geography and saying, okay, that's where this thing's gonna live. You, you know, the, the cloud kind of uh, uh, moniker, right? The, the language that we use for cloud computing, I think causes people to, to forget that those 
infrastructure technologies are in fact tied to physical assets. They are not in the cloud. They're not everywhere. They're not in the sky. They are in data centers on the ground in specific geographies. And so, you know, what you, what you just described of that phenomenon of how do I pick the optimal facility is a question that everybody asks. And the question that people are starting to ask is what are the technologies that are going to allow me to choose more than one? Why am I choosing just one? Um, and is there some other way to, to do this? Um, and what we have seen at Ridge is that the uh, trend in the developer community towards containerization um, and really in, in, in the last number of years, very specifically towards Kubernetes um, has enabled this idea of multi-cloud uh, uh, or multi-location cloud implementations that, that wasn't really there before. Kubernetes is an incredibly powerful tool to allow an application owner to deploy their application in more than just one place, in, in more than just a single zone or, or geography. Um, and so, you know, we see the developer community starting to embrace technologies that have an inherent capability to run a uh, uh, multi data center or multi geography cloud. And now the question is, what's that cloud going to look like? Is it all going to be on a single vendor? Or are you going to have to sort of stitch together services from multiple vendors? Um, and what we have been able to do at Ridge, our kind of core, you know, secret sauce, our core capability that we worked really hard to develop with our, our engineering team is really around the ability to uh, uh, kind of look down into very heterogeneous infrastructure providers and to not care if one MSP is running you know, Dell hardware with VMware as its virtualization layer behind, you know, Cisco, whatever, you know, routing and, and whatever firewall um, and a different MSP out there that's running on, you know, HP with Nutanix as its virtualization layer and a whole different security kind of layer. Our um, approach has been to put an abstraction layer on top of this infrastructure as a service layer that many, if not, you know, certainly most, if not all MSPs have developed. Um, and to put a, an abstraction layer on top of that, that then allows the application owner to deploy their application seamlessly in heterogeneous environments. Because why does the application owner care what the virtualization layer is that the MSP chose to put on top of it. Why do you have to lock yourself into, I can only run in a cloud that is built with these APIs on these technologies. Containers, Kubernetes, the modern uh, web services that application owners are looking for, the managed services, the platform as a service offerings that modern application owners want, uh, don't care about what, what what lies down below. So let me, let me slow down just a little because uh, the, yeah, the scenario that you talked about Historically, uh, our people have come, you know, from the infrastructure side. So if I am told, well, oh, I need something in here and I need it to be mirrored or whatever over there, uh, I go set up another server 
I go install another database, I basically go duplicate my entire infrastructure in another location. Are you saying you that I no longer have to do that or that I, I'm, when I'm done, that you don't care? Exactly. No, I'm saying that you no longer have to do that because, uh, uh, you know, as much as a historical application environment may have looked exactly as you described of I've taken this hardware configuration, deployed it in this location with this, you know, uh, 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 software stack on top of it. A modern application that's being written from scratch today probably isn't thinking about being deployed in that way, but rather is thinking about, you know, uh, a pure cloud, a cloud native deployment, right? And so the difference between those more traditional application architectures that you're describing and the applications that are being built today as cloud native is, is huge in, in that way. Now, your, you know, the listeners of this, this podcast and the, the folks who service these, the, uh, these clients know that there isn't a uh, uh, a mass migration to the cloud for every single application that the customer has, right? The customer is still going to have uh, uh, traditional um, enterprise applications, traditional applications running in traditional infrastructure environments. But when that same uh, developer or development team goes to build its next generation application, in all likelihood, they will use modern tools. In all likelihood, they will end up with something that is a cloud native um, implementation and they won't care what kind of hardware it runs on you know, and where. Now, maybe they'll end up choosing a set of technologies that force them onto an AWS or a GCP or an Azure, but, but the conversations that we see, the, the really sort of prudent you know, counselors to these application uh, developers uh, offering up is, hey, make sure that you have architected your application in a way that doesn't vendor lock you. Make sure that if you wake up tomorrow morning and your application is unbelievably popular in J Japan, that you're not forced to run an AWS's Tokyo data center, but rather you could have NTT deploy you in 10 places around Japan. Um, how do you how do you maintain the flexibility as an application owner to run your application in lots and lots of different places? And 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 to us, that's one of the most important conversations that service providers and consultants and 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 the you know sort of your audience in this podcast can be focusing on with with their clients is let's make sure that you're set up so that yeah, if we wake up tomorrow morning and we want to run everything at AWS, great, awesome. Nothing wrong with that. They're excellent at what, what they do. But what happens if a couple of years from now we change our mind and we'd actually like to be somewhere else? Are we able to migrate or have we done something architecturally that vendor locks us? And so uh, many, many people have issues with their data being um, bound by law to stay within a country, Australia yeah. and Canada, for example, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's always the question. I, I, I literally, if we were in an audience, there would be somebody in the front row saying, you know, what about Canada? Mm -hmm. So, so what do we do with folks who need the data to stay within a, a geography? Well, the, 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 you know, a big part of the value proposition at Ridge is exactly, is exactly this. You will invariably, if you want to comply with regulations that ask you to be in, you know, in, 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 in country A and in country B, 
well, we, we still haven't solved the, you know, that you can only be one place at one time problem. Um, and, and you're going to end up with an application that is uh, architected to service some of its, you know, pop, it, it, its users and community off of one set of infrastructure and, and another community off of others. That's a problem that, that isn't new and that you and, and, and your colleagues have a lot of experience, you know, solving. The, the thing that's new about it to me and that I think helps with this problem is that what we want to be able to, to, to offer you at Ridge is the ability to deploy that application in a number of different places in the exact same way. So how can you deploy that application in a data center in Canada, in a data center in Japan, and in a data center in Australia, and you know, and also do well in the United States and not have to concern yourself with the challenge that diverse infrastructure providers create for the kind of DevOps, you know, uh, 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 teams and for, for the challenge of actually deploying this application. Again, I think the modern technologies that have done the best job of enabling a solution to that are Kubernetes and containers and you know, the beauty of something like Kubernetes and a managed Kubernetes service is let's talk about the hyperscalers, the biggest clouds out there. If, if you are able to run your Kubernetes-based application in Google's cloud on their managed Kubernetes offering called GKE, and you wake up tomorrow morning and you also want to run it at some AWS region on their managed Kubernetes offering called AKS, you don't have to change a line of code. Um, you can you know, use that same Kubernetes-based, you know, application architecture to run your application in both of those clouds without changing anything. That's a super important, I think, technology shift that helps start to solve the problem that you're describing. Canada, fine, stay in Canada. Just make sure that you don't make me rewrite the darn thing in order to run it there. Right. So, um, uh, who is the ideal uh, partner for you in terms of a managed service provider? Um, what, how, what, what's their project? Who's their client? Yeah. So the managed service providers that we've had the most success with in, in terms of partnerships have existing cloud offerings. They, they, they haven't, you know, kind of retreated and become a pure space and power play which you know, some data center companies have. I guess at that point, they're, they're not calling themselves MSPs probably. So, so maybe that was uh, 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 redundant. But the, the MSPs uh, and partners that we've had a lot of success with at, at Ridge have excellent relationships with their customers in specific geographies. Their customers are running applications, databases, storage effectively with them. They are consuming cloud services from them that are of this IaaS or infrastructure as a service, you know, sort of variety. And they have customers who are asking them for modern web services as part of the cloud offering that they, uh, that they present. And they're, they're struggling with how to get that done. They're saying, okay, great. We, we know that we have a very good, uh, you know, infrastructure as a service offering that is based on maybe VMware, maybe on OpenStack. Maybe we've built a bare metal cloud. A lot of the MSPs right now are seeing a lot of opportunity in bare metal. And so great, we've built this bare metal 
you know, infrastructure as a service offering. Well, uh, what happens when my customer says to me, that's all very, that's all, that's all cool, but my next generation application is a modern cloud native application. And I want a managed Kubernetes service. I want a managed container service. I want a managed object storage service. I don't want to buy a number of CPUs, disk and RAM. I don't want to tell you in advance what kind of capacity I'm, I'm consuming from you. I want a fully modern managed service platform. That customer, that MSP, they want to work together. They already work together. It's a technology gap that needs to be bridged in order to create that offering, that platform as a service offering, that managed services offering for that MSP to deliver to that customer. That is what we do. That is what we can have an MSP up and running with in literally days um, from, from, from starting to work with them and being cool. able to show that end customer exactly the kind of service they want to buy, not needing to say, oops, sorry, that's on our roadmap. We don't have it yet. Or yeah, we've been talking about it as a management team and we're going to get there eventually. To, to be successful at this, the client needs to have a conversation with the MSP. They, they need to literally be able to say, okay, here's the future of our technology. Here's where we're going. We're going to plan this in advance uh, because if they don't have that ongoing conversation, the client is basically going to assume that you can't do that and put you in a box and then go look for somebody else who can do it. That's right. And, and, and the modern services, the managed container services, the managed Kubernetes services, the managed object storage services, those modern pass offerings. You know, if, if you're a, a, an MSP that doesn't have those capabilities, to think that your customers, A, aren't going to want those at some point in the, in the very near future, and B, aren't going to know where to find those if you're not selling them is, is, is keep, you know, sort of sticking your head in the sand, right? That your customer knows that AWS has a managed Kubernetes offering. And if you don't, they know how to spell AWS. Well, and they, they all have access to Google so they can find it if they not hard. <laughs> so how does a partner get started with you? Do you have a partner program do. or we, do they we, just we go through training? Very, we partner very, very uh, aggressively with, with really two different types of partners. One, managed service providers who have infrastructure, bare metal or virtualized, you know, uh, infrastructure as a service capabilities that they offer. We're trying to figure out that migration to a modern managed web services offering. Um, those are partners that we love working with. The integration for us into their existing technology stack is a core technology capability that we have developed since, since starting the company. As I mentioned earlier, you know, really part of our secret sauce is the ability to not care what is running down, down below. Um, so that type of MSP partnership is, uh, is a partnership that we love and, and pursue. The other type of partnership that we're very excited about are um, you know, uh, uh, consultants and service providers who are helping the application owners and the enterprises decide on where and how to deploy. And to, to us, the opportunity of a podcast like this and of the kind of conversations, Carl, that, that we're having now, the opportunity for us is really to, uh, you know, tell those folks, hey, hey, listen, when your customer is looking for a way to deploy in this modern architecture, you have more options than 
just the hyperscalers. You can give them the pass offering, the managed Kubernetes, the managed containers, the managed services offerings, and also give them geographic flexibility, regional flexibility, vendor flexibility, the ability to run these modern services on infrastructure owned and operated by service providers who maybe on their website aren't telling you that they know how to do this. Well, the ridge layer on top of their existing uh, um, you know, assets allows that to, to happen. So those are the two types of partners that are most relevant to us. And uh, what's the learning curve? Like if I sign up today, uh, <laughs> will yeah. I be able to understand what I'm selling uh, within say uh, a week? You know, I, I, the, the, um, uh, the learning curve we have found with managed uh, uh, service providers is really pretty quick because for the most part, they're starting to talk to us because a customer said to them, hey, listen, I need this thing and where is it and how do I get it? Or because someone who's working internally has sort of, you know, drawn a roadmap that, that includes this. Um, you know, we tend not to... Uh, end up doing a lot of work with customers who haven't um, recognized that these managed services and these modern web services um, that are the hallmark of, of, of today's kind of modern infrastructure are out there and, and are important. We're not gonna educate people about what a managed Kubernetes service, a managed container service or a managed object storage service looks like. You know, if, if, if you don't know what S3 is yet, um, we're not gonna, kind of get you through the, over the hump necessarily, um, you know, all, all on our own. Um, what, we, what we see as a result is that the folks who come talk to us are saying, hey, I have a customer who needs this, wants this, and, and we don't know how to deliver it. Show me how you're gonna be able to do that for them. Um, we, we are quite flexible in the way that we deal with support architectures and structures. So we're sort of right there by, by the MSP's side in making sure that what's being delivered to the customer is in fact, you know, meeting their needs. So we don't have to dig too deep into this, but <clears throat> tell me a little bit about how you price, because if you're saying, well, we're, uh, you don't have to worry about storage yeah. and the number of CPUs and <laughs> how much processor time you're using, uh, uh, what, what do we worry about? Well, so, so the, at the MSP level, the way that we, that, you know, that we, that we price is, an MSP that has made the decision that they want to have on offer for their customers a, a, a cloud offering, right? They went from 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 you know uh, uh, <clears throat> from space power and connectivity into the IaaS market, and they're they're selling vCPUs and VRAM and disk and you know and, and network. Um, those uh, uh, service providers. We, we integrate with them into their existing virtualization layer. And uh, the way that we work with them is that we charge a really quite a modest fee to, to do that integration work. We do it really to make sure that the, the service providers we work with are in fact, you know, pretty committed to bring in some customers onto these, these platforms. And then, uh, you know, whether it's a service provider with a single location or multiple locations, we'll also then impact kind of the, the baseline part of our, our pricing and relationship with the MSP. And then there is a service provider element on top of it. So the more your customers end up using this stuff, the more that they leverage this technology capability, um, the, uh, the uh, you know, the, the more Ridge will end up getting, uh, getting paid 
um, in the process. So it's sort of a, you know, a small fixed fee plus an entirely usage fee driven uh, revenue model to us. Um, and, you know, tends to make a lot of sense to the MSPs because they are bringing this to their customers as a premium service. Very good. So the website is ridge.co and we'll yes. put that in the links down below and make sure Thank folks you. can get a hold of you uh, and engage. Uh, does it make sense to engage before they have a, a hot prospect or a client? Yeah, you know, people, look, we're, 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 we're in the business of, of talking to, all, to, to anyone who is curious and interested in what this is about. So please engage with us uh, early, uh, reach out to, 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 to me, Jonathan at ridge.co. Uh, to our uh, uh, the links on our website that'll give you some more information and some some um, take you to our YouTube channel where you can see some demos of our platform and really see kind of how it you know how it works understand whether that works for your customers or would be appealing to them um, and we're we're always happy to engage early uh, in the process absolutely very good and we'll put all the links that we get uh, into the show notes uh, and folks can uh, you know follow up with you if they have any questions. Uh, so I'm going to make sure I, I almost said Richard because of the name Ridge. Ridge throws me off, right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Seelig, thank you for being with us today. This has been another SMB Community Podcast. Thank you very much, Carl. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, Please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.